So if I understand correctly, you you clip and then you go up and right a little bit and there's a hole there. Oddly, it's like, yeah, six inches above the other hole. You don't really like go up and right. You just kind of reach up there. So put that in your notes, Brigitte. That's wild. Just beta breaking and trying to beach. Oh man, I'm definitely going to check that out. <laughs> in this episode, we talk to Maddie Zane, a friend and longtime Northeast climber. We talk about how he didn't think of himself as an athlete for a long time and how working on China Beach changed how he thought of himself. We talk about how he started taking training, projecting, and tactics seriously, and we get into some of the specific tactics he found for China Beach. We talk about the power of having a good crew and how that really changed things for him on China Beach. Now, working on routes and talking about routes with friends is one of the things I love the most about climbing. It's kind of why we started this podcast. You know, the people we climb with motivate us. They help us get better, help us grow, and New England is a special community. Rumney has a long history of strong crews pushing the standards from Team Tough in the 90s to Dave Graham, Luke Parody, and Joe Kinder in the 2000s. And also, for those of us working the route, there's some new beta at the top, just before the red point crux, a totally new hold I didn't even know existed. As always, timestamps to each section are in the description, along with links to the video clips. Well, to start off, Natty, yeah, what's a kind of a non-climbing thing people should know about you? Uh, yeah, I'm a huge sports nerd, a uh, big Boston sports guy. Um, yeah, family's big kind of sports family and grew up playing a lot of soccer. But the big thing is fantasy football. That's probably my one true love, uh, which unfortunately it coincides with climbing season. Did you know this about Maddie, Michael? I mean, he's always wearing sports uh, shirts and stuff when he's climbing. Like, depending on what I need out of the day, I'll try to wear the sports <laughs> uniform. So you know I'm serious when I show up at the crag with my Tom Brady uh, Patriots shirt. I'm ready to send. I've got the beta worked out. I'm Wait, so up. does that mean that you don't get the normal, like, 5% strength improvement when you take your shirt off? <laughs> oh, maybe that's another quirk. I never climb with my shirt off. Jersey Power, the sports Jersey, Jersey Power. Jersey Power, yeah, totally. Do you have friends who are sports fans and climbers, or are they kind of separate? It's very rare. I feel like there's this thing where climbers just don't watch sports. Um, but there's definitely a handful. I feel like I will like bond with certain climbers when I realize that they're also sports fans. Do you think that the people that are not interested in sports start climbing or do you think that starting climbing decreases interest in sports maybe initially it was like the kids that like i don't know didn't make the soccer team or like got cut from the football team or like weren't as coordinated and the parents were like oh, go do this climbing thing like <laughs> there's no tryouts for it like everyone's welcome <laughs> uh but i i think that once like you know, people that are athletic kind of realize how cool climbing is and get into it, then we're screwed. Then uh, that, that's when we're going to hit 516 when you get, like, the, the athletes that start joining the climbing team. You don't think we have that already? Yeah, I think, yeah. and that's the whole, yeah, what I said, uh, climbing's now, like, this first-generation sport. And I think just yeah. the term athlete is probably in the past, I don't know, five years is really the first time that's been used in climbing sense, you know? 
I don't think like yeah, sure. Warren Harding and like those guys refer to themselves as athletes. They're just like chain yeah. smoking and drinking like Carlo Rossi as they're like climbing El Cap. Um, don't really fit the athlete ticket, um, but I do. I do think yeah, in the last whatever five or ten years, climbers at least like view themselves as athletes. Yeah, I think the shift from just kind of being a climber to adding to starting to grapple with training and and thinking of yourself as an athlete is something that uh it's all it's always really interesting to me like i think we all started climbing in an era where climbers weren't athletes and training was super uncommon and seems yeah. kind of weird right well yeah it's pre uh rock climbers training manual right right we can break yeah i think the air. only book was how to climb 512 yeah, when I started climbing and, and robot climbing. Yeah, yeah, you know it. Yeah, <laughs> this is Michael's blog, by the way. <laughs> so, Natty, when do you when do you first hear about China Beach? Uh, yeah, so when I first started climbing, I grew up in Maine, and both my parents worked at Unity College, just a small little environmental school in Central Maine. And this guy Brian Kim, who anyone that's tried China Beach or done China Beach or has ever dreamed of doing China Beach, I'm sure has watched the Brian Kim video. Um, definitely should get Brian Kim on the podcast. Uh, he went to that school. So with my first, you know, like couple months climbing, I remember going to the climbing wall there. They had this little dinky climbing wall. It's like the kind that's inside the gymnasium. Um, maybe there's five or six little top rope stations. It's like 25 feet tall. And I remember seeing Brian in there and... First of all, I remember being like, okay, this can't be that hard because this, like, you know, skinny little guy that looks like he has no muscles is just, like, killing it <laughs> and going to that wall and just being horrible. And I was like, oh, my God, I, like, am awful at this. Um, but I remember really not even understanding that much of the concepts of climbing, like, didn't understand projecting. I probably didn't even know what red pointing meant. I just understood, like, if you got to the top of the climb, you did it. You, you were done. Um, climb was over. Yeah. yeah. Um, Very but I remember there. Brian like constantly talking about China Beach because that year he was like given his big campaign when he did it. Um, and I remember him like going down to Rumney every single weekend. And then I remember when he finally did it. Um, and like I said, I didn't really know anything about climbing, but I knew that he had put a lot of work into this climb called China Beach and that I knew that he was a really good rock climber and that someday I wanted to do China Beach. I'd, pretty much I didn't even know where Romney was but I knew that this climb China Beach existed and that it was probably a hard rock climb and that I was going to do it someday I probably watched the Brian Kim China Beach video before I even climbed like five tenths. oh wow Chris Sharma realization and Brian Kim China Beach oh man two two classic classic videos yeah so there was like no, no middle for you you didn't like start climbing and think oh 512 is something good to climb or 513 is something good to climb right that came after like after you were indoctrinated uh, yeah yes and no because like this standard of climbing in rural maine i grew up for the first few years thinking that like 510 was this like ultimate goal that was super hard to achieve um probably because the best climbers that i knew were climbing 510 so you were only climbing i mean you were climbing mostly in rural maine there was like the climbing gym at the college and that was it? Or were you going down to bigger climbing gym in Portland? No, so I guess before they built the little climbing wall at the gym, um, a climbing wall had opened up in this random town called Union, Maine, this gym called Rock Rats. And it was a sweet little gym. So I went there a handful of times. My mom took me there. Um, 
and yeah, I just fell in love with it right away. My mom, she used to climb back in, I don't know, the 70s or 80s. And then when she had my brother and I, she kind of stopped climbing. Uh, I would say I kind of got her back into climbing. She took me once and I was like, we got to go, like, let's go. <laughs> Which was cool because for the first at least five years that I climbed, she was probably my like main climbing partner. Yeah, that's great. That's like really unique. Not a lot of people, I mean, now lots of kids are learning to climb with their parents, but that's fairly modern thing to happen. Yeah, it was super unique at the time. It was kind of a cool way to get introduced to it. Um, and we still keep, yeah, still keep in touch about it. She's definitely like, I don't know if I have like a big sin. She's one of the first people I'll tell that I like finished a project and yeah, oh, nice. but oh, she's nice. still kind of like, yeah, keeps yourself in the loop with my climbing a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're at this small gym in Maine and small gyms are a special environment. I lived in Portland, Maine for, for many years and climbed at the Maine Rock Gym. Yeah. And it's a small community and probably most people there are not sport climbing in Rumney 514 every weekend, right? What was kind of the the reception to Brian Kim uh, working to this and then sending yeah, it? Totally. I'll say it's one of the most impressive things about Brian Kim's ascent, other than the fact that he makes it look like a 5'7 when he's climbing it, um, is that he was able to get strong enough climbing on this little dinky gym in the college. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, I don't know, a 20-foot-tall, like, top-roping gym. And we would, we would all set little boulder problems, you know, that went as high as we could get them. So I guess, like, I... Uh, Brian Kim is from New York City or something, right? New Jersey or New I York. Guess I, I guess I thought he was always from around there, so he was always training at these high-end gyms. But putting into perspective that he was training at, like, a basically nothing climbing wall up to his ascent of china beach is like even more impressive yeah yeah he's just got a lot of natural talent do you remember when you first saw the route brian's roommate in college this guy kevin he was kind of a good buddy of mine and i think i was 15 maybe 16 and we went down to Rumney just for like a weekend trip and yeah i remember i wanted to go to ymas super bad and we finally made it up there at like the end of our last day of the trip oh the last day that's so frustrating i know right you have to convince um, your friends it's like all super close too it's like just walk five <laughs> to ten minutes in this direction and we can yeah, see totally. and that that area is so cool it's like i mean there's so many perfect things about china beach but it's its own i mean you can be at ya and you can't even see it it's got its own little alcove with all the other right, like right. mega routes um that and why may so i probably had the classic like experience of going there and wanting to do a route and like getting on why may and just getting totally shut down and owned and like not being able to do the 510 there someone was on china beach they were like just projecting the crux coming out of the break and i can't even remember who it was but i'm sure it was someone that i eventually knew later on in life um yeah, i just remember watching or yeah seeing the route it was like this route's awesome it like yeah, checks all the good boxes of a sport climb. What were those boxes that it checked? Yeah, I, I mean, I would say for someone that didn't know much about climbing, you just see that it's like steep. It's this massive, it looks like an ocean wave, like crashing down. There's that sweet like quartzite, like snake looking feature that goes right through it. It follows like a very distinct feature. Lines yeah, the are lines obvious. are yeah. obvious. Yeah, so that kind of just grabs you. And then once you climb on the route, you're like, oh my God, the thing 
it's like very resistant it doesn't let up you don't really ever as soon as you leave like bolt two or whatever after that little stance a lot of people probably don't even chalk one time on the whole route yeah there's no time totally yeah i think i would i remember at the break i had this tactic that jay conway told me uh before the crux they just put a bunch of chalk on my left pant leg and so i would hit the pinch and clip and chalk and then my right hand would go that little sloper at the break and i felt like it was so precarious there that if i like breathed too hard or like god forbid reach back to my chalk bag to chalk up that i would like lose my balance and fall off so yeah super resistant it's like when you have to have like techniques for how to chalk without using your chalk bag um, <laughs> i would say that's a box you can check for a you know five-star sport route uh it builds on you. There's like some hard intro climbing. There's a very definitive crux, and there's awesome red point crux. Um, that I'm embarrassed to say how many times I fell off that iron cross at the top. Uh, how many yeah, times did you fall off? Except fifteen. Yeah, fifteen was the magic oh, wow. number. So oh, wow! I think most people, myself included, will tell themselves like, okay, the first time I like pull through the crux and get onto the head wall. Like maybe I'll fall there once, but hopefully I'll just send. Mm-hmm. And no, fifteen was my magic number. Um, wow! Wow! Yeah, which was painful, That's but a lot. in the a end, lot. you know, it's like whatever. Maybe it just makes it feel that much better. But yeah, I think having a hard red point crux right at the very end of the route, um, yeah, is another box that makes it really classic. Um, you can also top the route out, which is cool. Should you though? That's you should. Question. I think in Rumney, uh, you should top out every route. <laughs> we need to get into this date, but uh, I don't know. I feel like they're just shorter. You can top out all the routes there. What but other routes did you top out that nobody tops out at Rumney? Routes that you shouldn't top out but could top out. Um, some of the ones on the right side, like Sinister, uh, 6000, and uh, Rhythm X, um, Charlie Don't Surf. Those ones you shouldn't because no one does, and they're just, like, super dirty and wet and gross on the top. Um, but I think all of them are top down flips. For sure. Yeah, you could top out Barracuda. All the ones in the Cold War section you could top out. And I topped out China Beach, and I untied. And we, I'd always kind of joke because if you top out China Beach and go up to Slab, you come up to Jimmy Cliff, and you come up right to the base of Clippity Doodah. So I think I had this long three. because I knew I was going to top it out because I like, figured out how to do the top out. That the China Beach was really just this intro pitch to Clippity Doodah. <laughs> Clippity Doodah was like, yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's the Z, it's the zero pitch. Yeah, exactly. The approach. So I, I like finally send China Beach and I untie, and it was in the springtime, and I start going up the slab above, which ended up just I regret it immediately because it was soaking wet, and get through this like wet slab in the woods just hiking up in my like solutions and unfortunately it's a saturday so the clippity doodah is just packed slam and here i come like charging through the woods with my climbing shoes on everyone's like well, what's this kid doing um and ultimately i failed because there was like you know five or six parties on clippity doodah so i did not uh not not finish the extension but maybe maybe i'll go back for it one of these days you should uh you should go edit a mountain project for Clippity Doodah like very, very yeah <laughs> climb 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 China Beach first um, yeah oh, you, you could argue totally. yeah China Beach isn't a really a complete climb you know it ends halfway up the wall <laughs> when did you 
actually start working it. How did you get to the point where you thought, I'm yeah. going to start working this? Totally. I feel like Rumney, it's one of those cliffs that like it misses certain grades. Like there's not many 13 C's in Rumney. So a lot of people go from doing like, you know, 13 B to like urban or some of the classic 13 D's there. Um, and maybe kind of similar with 14 A, you have like Cold War, which is kind of a link up, which I had done the previous year. And then you have uh, Parallel Universe. Um, yeah, there are a couple more, but you're kind of grasping at straws and they're maybe totally, not very it's like, good. I really want to invest like a season into like single salt animal or like some. <laughs> the one that's covered by the ladder. <laughs> ladder, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, so China Beach just kind of makes sense. So I think at the time I had done Cold War and I'd done Parallel were the two five fourteens I had done. And then it was like, all right, I'm going for China Beach. I'm ready for this. Um, I think, yeah, the spring of 2014. And it was actually Daryl that got me, another friend of ours, that got me into trying China Beach. Um, I think awesome. There's a little bit of continuity here because in 2013, I spent a bunch of time with Daryl on China Beach, uh, built up a lot of psych, and then I moved away from the... Oh, nice. But uh, get Daryl on the show. (laughs) Oh, we got to get (laughs) Daryl. I think one thing that China Beach did, it it taught me like a ton about tactics. And I think I had, I don't know, by some standards, had been projecting sport climbs, but nowhere near the capacity of China Beach. You know, I hadn't given anything, even like a tenth of the effort that I had to give to China Beach um, up until that point. and I can remember never being able to pull out the brake. And I remember this realization I had of I finally like got a lapis brush. I stopped using a toothbrush and scrubbing the crimp. And I was like, whoa, if you like scrub the crimp a little bit, you have way more friction on it. And you can like pull the crux a little bit easier. I think I finally like drug the stick clip up. That was another thing is you can't up clip there. So yep, you don't yep. really even know how to grab the crimp. You grab the crimp, you don't really know like what body position to do. Because the, the, after you grab the crimp, the foot move is pretty hard to match in there. Um, so I think I finally, again, learned that I could bring a stick clip up and up clip and kind of like figure out the body positions. And then, yeah, finally was able to do the move. Um, and then another thing that you learn from climbing New England is that conditions matter way more than you think. Uh, it doesn't really dry until like June. Um, but when, oh no, it does. It has a brief period where in like March will it dry out or something. I remember going to try it. And kind of, yeah, while it's still totally, kind of yeah. frozen. Um, yeah. So I remember to try to expedite the process. I like, drove up that winter and stick clipped up and knocked icicles off of it in the hopes oh, that nice. it would dry out a little bit faster. Cause I, uh, and then kind of not too far into the fall, I fell the bouldering in the gym and I tore the flexor tendon, partially tore the flexor tendon in my elbow. Um, mm which sucked because that was probably the first time in my life that I had to step away from climbing for a few months, uh, which may have kind of been a blessing in disguise because that happened to coincide some, sometime with the, uh, when the rock climbers training manual came out and I was injured and had like all this free time on my hands to fit. I had the beast maker. Uh, and when I read the climbers training manual, I went and then bought their hangboard as well. So I started my little quiver of hangboards that winter um and then just got super regimented and followed like the climbers training manual to a t i did like the whole hangboarding cycle campus boarding cycle power endurance link boulder problems um and that spring i remember that first day on it 
And it was probably a combination of it being really cold and that I had just done all this training. But I remember re-putting my quick draws on the route and I got to the break and I went from the break to the top and I hung the quick draws, which is really only like two quick draws. But I remember just being like, oh my God, this feels like so much easier. Like this realization of like, wow, like that, all that hangboard and stuff actually kind of worked. I ended up doing it in June. So I don't know when I tried it out in April or May or something. You did it in June, like in the summer? June 6th or something. Yeah, it was not ideal. I had shorts on, uh, shorts and a t-shirt. I did, actually, I didn't have a sports t-shirt on either. I have a lucky shirt that's not a sports shirt that I wear. Uh, I mean, I had shorts and no shirt on when I did it in March. <laughs> Got to keep it, gotta keep it light. Maddie was lighter because of all the body weight, all the blood lost to the black flies. So he was yeah, exactly. I just want to back up. You'd climbed two 514s and you hadn't trained? Well, I climbed in the gym. So I guess if you're going to back up more, I climbed whatever, like 5859, like trad climbs with my mom for a handful of years. And it wasn't really until I moved to Boston and started going to like a more proper gym and then just was like exposed to like people that could climb a lot harder. And then I started to progress a lot more. And I think even when I lived in Maine and wasn't climbing that hard, I still always had this ambition of like wanting to progress. And yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think I just really knew the fastest way to do that. Um, right. So once I started kind of getting into sport climbing and, and kind of pushing through the grades, I was definitely climbing in the gym. But basically my gym session would consist of just like going to the, I don't know, trying to pull the problems and stuff. But then I start trying trying to beach and <laughs> it's a different level. Yeah. <laughs> so it sounds like China Beach kind of on the tactical side and on the training side kind of raised your game. And I'm wondering how much of that was you learned a lot of new things. How much was kind of a mental shift to sort of taking it more seriously or thinking about yourself? as we talked about before as an athlete yeah which i i would still never call myself an athlete i I find that it's really important to take what you do seriously whether that's climbing whether that's your job but to not take yourself that seriously i feel like maybe i started to take myself too seriously maybe i've like stepped back since doing china beach i don't actually know if i've done a proper like training cycle since china beach at least as regimented as i was <laughs> um yeah i think i just reverted back to just climbing a lot <laughs> wait so i want to understand that you felt if i hear you correctly you felt like you took yourself more seriously in order to prepare for and send china beach and that was kind of a new thing i think that's probably yeah a fair thing to say um I feel like I've never taken myself that serious, but I do think I, I probably did. Yeah. When I was trying, trying to beach, um, I was training I feel like I was like watching my diet more. I was like totally encapsulated in it. I had like hung pictures of trying to beach, like at my locker at work. That's um, awesome. <laughs> yeah. I feel like now I could really care less if anyone knows what climbs I'm doing or what I'm sending. But I feel like at the time, I kind of wanted people to know that I was like trying, trying to be too serious and like one of the support. How did that factor in the support of the people around you or the people you were climbing on 
China Beach with? I mean, then that's, that's a huge thing too. Just having the support of your friends is massive. And I think the crew that I was climbing on China Beach with was really helpful as well. Um, I find it's hard to just climb on a sport climb by yourself. Um, from a lot of perspectives, like trying to figure out the beta and like subtleties can be just expedited a lot if you have someone else climbing on it with you. But also just having that camaraderie if you're having like, I don't know, a shitty day on the route or like someone knows pretty much what you're going through. <laughs> you know, when you fall off the Iron Cross for like the 10th time, they're like, okay, I kind of understand why you're, you know. <laughs> you try to explain that to like your grandparent. You're like, yeah, I fell off like this left-handed reach at the top of this rock trying to like clip this chain you know it just like sounds totally <laughs> ridiculous um so it's nice having you know people that you can relate to and we had a good crew i was climbing uh with this kid nick orange um, yeah we i think we watched his video on he's got a video yeah he actually has like kind of a well done yeah. video yeah probably oh, we did video. yeah and uh this guy brian pardo who doesn't climb so much anymore, a super talented climber. He lived, but the three of us had climbed on it like that fall and spring together. Um, did it first, I was the last one. It was awesome, A, to just have partners to like climb on the route with and yeah, to have people to, I don't know. Can you say a bit more about what the dynamic was like? Cause um, we, got, we got a question from Daryl by asking you kind of what did yeah. he want to <laughs> ask you? And what he said, I, I think this is verbatim was, Around the time you started climbing with that crew was when you became, in his words, you transitioned from being like us to mutant. <laughs> Daryl was very much a part of that crew. So initially, <laughs> and I think he stepped back. I don't know if he was having a kid or something, but initially that fall, he was still invested and he was climbing on, on it quite a bit. And he was doing well. I think he had red point to the break a handful of times. And I had this weird realization of just like, thinking I wasn't that great at rock, I don't know, I'm like, whatever, climbers climbing on the China Beach wall, I was all the way down at whatever, the parking lot wall or something, like, I, I was not in that same caliber of climber, and I think maybe that did change, um, and I remember not even believing that I could really do the route, and I think one day, it might have been one of the first days that I met Brian that fall, and he was climbing with Andrew Palmer, and Andrew had done Jaws, I think, the year before. So he was, like, this other, like, secret hero. My, him and Brian came. I was like, man, these guys are awesome. Uh, he's kind of super, like, the radar. Not many people know about Andrew. Such um, a nice guy. And I remember one day, I think I had, like, won the thing, like, three times or something. Like, quite a bit. And those guys were like, oh, my God. Like, dude, like, you're going to do it. Like, you could do this thing any day now and I was like no there's no way I'm gonna do China like this isn't gonna happen like I'm not that close and actually Andrew Palmer like getting his like validation like no you're actually like a, a good rock climber and you're gonna do this and like I don't you're gonna like climb many other hard routes and I think that like did mean a lot to hear that from him I was like oh maybe I am like worthy of like climbing on this route or maybe I'm like a little bit better of a rock climber than I'm giving myself credit for um Ultimately, though, he was wrong, and I didn't do it that next day, and it still took another <laughs> 300 tries. <laughs> um, what yeah. a wonderful, what a wonderful thing. Like, what a wonderful moment. I, was, I think on 8A, I'm going to comment as, like, uh, weakest person to be trying to beach. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Most incapable max hang could be trying to beach. <laughs> <laughs> It, it may not stand for long. I'm gunning for you. Back to Daryl's question. The other thing is, 
I think I was a little skewed of the idea of like projecting like mm. for I mean for years I probably would like try a route once and it was like okay if I either onsite or didn't do it but I'm not gonna go up it again uh, I remember maybe some of like the earlier climbs I had projected go ground up like if I fell I would just lower back down the yo-yo like I had been to the top like one time so I knew the moves and was like okay cool oh. I can do this and then just was like right into the red point but nope lower me down trying again uh, You're like yeah, a time traveler. I gotta say, like, you started out climbing a lot of trad, right, with your mom? Mm -hmm. So you've, your climbing progression and your attitude towards climbing has evolved as kind of a, a, a microcosm of the actual history of rock climbing in America. There you go. You kind of experienced the full spectrum. Like, I, like, backtracked. I, like, started trad climbing and then slowly evolved to sport climbing and then maybe slowly got into bouldering and then most recently moonboarding. <laughs> the purest form of climbing. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, rocks can fade, but moonboard problems are eternal. Um, but I think when you, I don't know, when you, and even if you are projecting routes, but the ones that you pick, you can do in like a handful of tries and that's a project for you. You're really not like realizing maybe how much potential or how hard you can climb. Yeah. And a beach was probably, I don't know how many tries it took me. I will ask them, like, I'm like, probably way over a hundred, really more than I had put into any other route at the time. And yeah, I think I realized that like, okay, like you don't need to be able to do all the moves the first time. You don't need to be able to do the route and, you know, less than 10 goes, like it can take you, you know, 10 sessions just to figure out how to do the moves, uh, actually every single thing goes right and you train hard enough and you get the perfect conditions and the routes dry then you know you can magic have moment a little fleeting moment of joy before you move on to the next i remember after i sent i think it, it was that afternoon so going back to the tactics i trying to beach we talked about how it's like the best climb for all these reasons it's also yeah. like yeah. simultaneously the worst climb to project because it's in new england to start so you get I don't know, a handful of like actually good crisp days a year. It's wet until it starts to almost get hot. Um, the summer's kind of off. Um, it rains all the time. There's black flies. It, uh, the rock goes into the sun at like, I don't know, what would you say, Michael, 10 a.m. or something, 11 a.m.? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, depending on exactly And the then season, it just kind of yeah, stays in right. the sun. Until it gets dark. I've never seen anything like it. Like it can be in the sun and then it's just black and then yeah. you can't even try it uh and then the rock's also black so it just like conducts all this heat uh, so there's all these sorts of tactics that you have to use and one of them is most people that do the route probably do it early in the morning or at the cliff at like 8 a.m or even earlier maybe 7 a.m sometimes so you can warm up and mm -hmm. have your red point goes done by like 11 and it's tricky a, a it's just kind of hard to climb that early in the morning sometimes it's a little more humid so i Towards the end, I switched to trying the route in the afternoon, mm. um, which finally paid off. And so I did the route, I don't know, sometime in the, or not even afternoon, but evening time. And so I did the route that evening and how I was talking about how you have these like little like fleeting moments of joy. I was super psyched, topped it out, came down. And then within an hour, I went up with an Astro and was like, <laughs> already on to the next project. <laughs> yeah, I also like, sent in the That's... afternoon and evening because like i was climbing in the spring so yeah. in like march 20 
And very, very early March, so it was dry in the morning. Snacks. So, yeah, so the first two weekends of March, it was dry in the morning because it was still frozen on top. But when I the weekend I did, it was like uh, melting on the top, so it would get wet, and the sun had to dry it out. So I had to wait until the afternoon nice. for it to dry out. Yeah, the last time I went, it was November, a little too late in November. And the top half was encased in ice. And I also had a really hard time finding Belair's. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I can't believe you went off living Astro the same day. That's, uh, I feel like that's unusual. Most people kind of, you know, get, ever, a, get a milkshake or something. <laughs> for I a think bit. I did, actually. My buddy Tim Green, he didn't blame me. I think this guy, Brian Gilmore, um, Brian, yeah. was the one Brian, that blamed yeah. me on it. But there was just, you know, like a, you know, there's a good little from the local crew up there. And, Tim took me out to uh, whatever that like grill is in Plymouth, and uh, we definitely had whatever the ice cream session and everything you do. Uh, but I always feel like any day that you get a send, you're just like the next pitch is almost like a freebie because you're like so happy, you're feeling like so good, you're like whatever. Yeah. Whether it doesn't yeah. matter how bad the next climb goes, like you're just gonna be happy, so you might as well try something. Um, so for me, that was trying to live an Astro. <laughs> Have you worked on anything as intensely or as long since? I still think to this day, and it might not be the hardest rock climb, but in my mind, China Beach is the hardest rock climb that I've ever done. Just the amount of like effort that kind of went into it. Um, other routes, I think I, I probably put a similar amount of effort into Steady Slobbin. That one might've even taken more goes, um, maybe Lungfish and Rifle. And those may have taken more goes because they're just more bouldery. So you can probably try those, you know, you can give like four or five red point tries a day where yeah. trying to beach. Yeah. I think I had two. Um, and pretty much I had one, like the day I did it was first red point try of the day. I think I would have two like decent rips on it a day, but really probably just one um, that actually mattered. Uh, That's funny. My second go is usually better, like really? on all my projects. Every hard thing I've sent has been second go of that project. And I may day. have, I can't remember the exact strategy, but I like to have a lot of times like a warm up go on the project if I feel close. So maybe you could count that mm, second like go. Yeah, yeah. Like um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Did you ever revisit yeah. it or repeat it? I never officially repeated it with the Iron Cross, but I did put another good campaign in on the China Glide which ultimately I never did. I would love to go back for that one. Um, but that climbs all of China Beach up to the Iron Cross, and then instead of doing the Iron Cross, you bust right, and you do this boulder problem to get into Livin' Astro, and then you do the last boulder problem on Livin' Astro. Did you ever red it's point up to the finger locks before the Iron Cross? Yeah, I probably got to, uh, which I wish I had learned this on China Beach, but I don't know if you ever did this, Michael, but when you get to that finger lock on China Beach and you grab... The crimp that you do the iron cross off of there's this other really good right hand hold that you use for the china glide that's i don't know six inches above the finger lock um and i, I probably red pointed up there and fell going into the china glide boulder five to eight times or something wait hang on a sec so there's another hole but there's, there's a right hand hold and when i would get there on uh, the China Glide, I would go to that right hand hold and shake and then grab the left hand hold and get a little shake. And I, 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 would, I would, I don't know, maybe chalk each hand a handful of times 
And I remember thinking like, oh my God, if I knew this. And other people that I've seen Red Point trying to reach since then, I've seen use that hold and be able to get a little bit of a shake up there. So if I understand correctly, you you clip and then you go up and right a little bit and there's a hold there. Oddly, it's like, yeah, six inches above the other hold. You don't really like go up and right. You just kind of reach up there. So put that in your notes, Brigitte. That's wild. Beta break, beta breaking, trying to beach. Oh man, I'm definitely gonna check that out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't I think I knew about, about this hold. That hold until I guess trying Astro Glide because you use that hold and then you use it for China Glide as well. And it's like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh. Um, right. I think there's a video of right. Mike Foley doing Astro Glide that shows those holds yeah. in the traverse. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And that guy, he can chalk out on whatever he wants to chalk up on, probably. <laughs> Dave Whitmore showed me a video <laughs> on his phone of Mike Foley doing China Beach. And. Right after he does the crack switch into the first underclings, he starts chalking up. <laughs> he chalks up a I, lot of stuff I've seen. So I remember Nick Orange trying it with him. He would chalk up off the right hand undercling. He would roll into the undercling, get a chalk, and reach up to the crimp. Yeah. And he yeah. may have, yeah, just like abs absurd things. Uh, I think that kid, uh, Alex Waterhouse. He is a little bit shorter and he couldn't span the iron cross and he did it foot first. He like launched a heel hook over and he sent that way. He did heel first to the jug and then like kind of came down with his hands afterwards. Um, I didn't see someone red point it, but I, I have seen someone project it with the beta to do a double dyno for the iron cross. Whoa, no. that's cool. I saw yeah. Charlotte Durif do it the way you describe it with Alex Waterhouse. What you feel? Okay. Uh, did she ever send? She didn't that, send yeah. it, but she figured out the top. I think she said it was like V10, V11. Yikes. The way she did it, which is yeah. that's serious up there. Yeah, that yeah, makes it like nine A probably. Has it seen a female assert? I don't think so. I'm not aware of one. It feels like it's like only a matter of time. I uh, Nina Williams Keeling went out and again figured yeah. out the the top crux that same yeah. way. But she didn't. Yeah. She hasn't linked it. And that's yeah. another yeah. tricky and cool thing about China Beach. It doesn't. I mean, it ha now it has more and more sends. But when you look at other classic uh, routes, I'm sure if you went on 8A, like Zulu probably has three or four times the amount of sends as China Beach. I think mostly because it's just hard to project China Beach for all those reasons we talked about earlier. And I know more than one really talented climbers that have climbed 9A that have gone there on trips and gotten shut down. Um, not because they weren't strong enough, but it's just challenging to uh, project it. Um, I'd say most people that send it probably are locals to some degree. Um, yeah, on one hand, that must be, you know, it's really frustrating on a trip. And now, now that I'm no longer a local, you know, it makes the window a lot smaller. But on the other hand, it's a very, it's a very cool thing. It's, it's kind of a climb. There are very few climbs of that level that see most that that are so connected to the community around it like a lot of the ascents are the people who climb which there. is kind of a yeah and a cool thing about new england that i feel like the local crew there is super close because it's really just the locals that climb there it's I don't know, like you go to rifle and there's tons of traveling climbers or a lot of these other places there's you know people that you know come in their vans and stay for a few months at the time and then leave and it's always kind of interchanging like who the local crew is yeah. We're in New England, you never really get that. <laughs> yeah, so I feel like that kind of makes everyone, I don't know, a little bit closer, 
I feel like the crew's really good in New England also. Like I've I've been at other crags um, where the crew was more competitive yeah. or more salty or just, you know, not as great. But you know, I, I really miss being a northeast climber. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, there's something like special about interesting it. Interesting breed of climbers up there. Don't miss the conditions and a lot of stuff about the northeast, right. but I definitely right. miss all the people up there. Yeah, it definitely has like a pretty strong local crew. Did you see I think you mentioned you saw Alex Megas come through? Yeah, he he didn't have an issue with it. Um there's definitely like the yeah, climbers of that caliber. <laughs> I saw Alex Mega he had already done it and he was coming through on a trip. I think he was like up in Canada for a comp or something and came down I think maybe to try Jaws and he warmed up on China Beach one day and completely butchered the beta. I remember he went to the crimp coming out of the break with the wrong hand. He went with his right hand to the crimp and didn't matter. Somehow pulled it out and to the iron cross and fell trying to match the iron cross actually. Uh, but yeah, it was just absurd to watch someone like butcher the beta. And like I said, you can't chalk up on China Beach. Alex Magos can chalk up on China Beach. Um, uh, yeah, that was super impressive. The climbers of that caliber, like J-Star came through and he did it quick. And I think maybe John Cardwell. Jonathan Segrist, John Cardwell. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's definitely been a number of people that have gotten shut down for, yeah, reasons that are just kind of not in their control. Most of the conditions. Special rat. It's kind of a stressful climb to project. Like you can feel so certain in your beta and you can be like falling, falling at the iron cross at the top. And then for no reason, you just fall at the third bolt off the seam. Um, just that style of climbing, being like very insecure, uh, the footholds just suck or are just non-existent. Um, and you can be feeling like totally fine and just have a little foot slip and there goes your red point. Um, so yeah, it's kind of, I feel like there's a lot of moves that are just kind of low percentage or the whole like low crack part, you can definitely, uh, can be very frustrating. Um, yeah, not it's not a gym it. climb. It's got some trad flavors, and it's very no, it's very it. outdoor. Any thoughts come up as you look back on that chapter of your life? I mean, really, it was just such a fun time of my life. I was in Boston. It was a great thing to get fixated over for a bunch of reasons, but I'd also just come out of like a four year relationship, and in many ways it sounds corny, but like use China Beach is just like a way to fill my time. And the rebound. I feel like it definitely rebound. Like help. Yeah, totally get over that uh, for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like it was just a super fun time where like other than my work, like everything I was doing was dedicated to that. I remember like being so excited on like Friday nights, as soon as I'd get out of work, I'd drive up to Romney, camp in my car. I was like ex excited to try China Beach and see all my friends up there. I feel like climbers are just anyone that has something that takes up so much of their time it's like very fortunate it's like i don't know, I feel like we're very fortunate to have something that we're so passionate about that we love doing um yeah i think a lot of people who don't project the long term you know, may not understand like how can you keep going like how can you keep you know getting on this climb and failing over and over again there's this aspect of it's just super fun <laughs> It's just super fun. You know, yeah, there's all of this, you know, failure and struggle and, and challenge, but I mean, you know, 
And I think it's, it's awesome that this thing that we love doing also happens to be outside. It keeps you in shape. It, yeah. Yeah. There's awesome like community that goes along with it. It's like a good excuse to travel and like an easy way to meet community. Like when we moved to Colorado from Maine, um, I feel like that was most of the community that we kind of initially met was just through climbing. Again, it does feel like very fortunate to have something that takes up so much of your time. And yeah, I feel like looking back on that year or so of trying China Beach, I don't think I've ever had probably that much I don't know, that much fun, like, trying to route or, like, been that engrossed with the route or I've, like, really had that same experience. I feel like that was, like, a whole era of my, you know, there's, like, the China Beach era and then I wouldn't consider now, I don't know what I'm, like, I'm trying, like, Bad Girls Club, like, I don't feel like this is the Bad Girls phase of my life, but I really <laughs> felt, but yeah, I feel like that, like, year or two is just full, full dedication to China Beach. Yeah, it defined that, that phase okay. of your life. You're climbing a uh, project you put so much time into, I feel like the frustrations are still kind of enjoyable. And I don't really know how to explain that, but you fall off the top of the route for like, for me, 15th time. Um, but it's still super fun and you still, for some reason, you want to go back. <laughs> for some reason, you want to like give up all of your Saturdays and Sundays to hike into the woods, which a bunch of other like dudes to like try to get to the top of the rock. So something about it's fun. <laughs> I would say China Beach brought the best and the worst out in me. And one time falling off the Iron Cross just for, I don't know, way too many times. And I came down and I was so pissed. And I took my shoe off and I wanted to just throw it into the ground. And China Beach starts off that little ledge that's maybe whatever, seven or eight feet off the ground. And yeah. so I wanted to just yeah. throw my shoe off the ledge. And I had my finger through the little like pull tab on the shoe. And as I went to throw it, it flipped off at like the wrong time and like flipped off my finger early and I just hooked it like into the talus behind China Beach, oh, no. which also happens to be where everyone like goes to the bathroom. And I remember hiking back and they're brand new solutions. And so I'm back there for the next hour or so, like trying to find my shoe. By the time I finally find my shoe, the roots just like gone into the sun and like there, you know, there goes the day. Oh man. Uh, oh, man. So I think I stopped throwing wobblers after that point. I think I realized, maybe that realized like, okay, I'm, I'm taking myself too serious if I'm throwing my shoes. <laughs> you lose your shoe. Yeah, I I had one too where I, you know, threw a wobbler and I was like, okay, that that was enough. <laughs> like, I think I, no one else was there except for maybe one of my friends, <laughs> yeah. but I was like, that okay, still was too embarrassing. Down. Yeah, <laughs> no, you had the full brutal. experience. Yeah, I'm just gonna try to beach smack down. Is there anything um is there anything we didn't touch on that you want to share or explore? No, I mean otherwise I mean I think there's it's awesome you guys are doing podcasts about trying to beach. I think I saw one of your guys' Instagram posts and about the route and immediately was like, Oh my god, this is so cool. Like if there's a route that's worth doing a podcast about, it's this one for sure. <laughs> Who else uh who should we have on the podcast? Oh, if you can get Brian Kim on the podcast, we should definitely get Brian Kim. Well, I like think that. we're going to ask you to help us get Brian Kim on the podcast. Yeah, I feel like he was probably majority of the people that did the route in like, I don't know, 2010 to 2015 were like inspired by Brian Kim's video. Yeah, yeah, probably watched sure. Brian yeah. Kim's video like yeah. a million times. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. I think Andrew Palmer would be awesome to get yeah. on the show. I, well, I think he's already signed um, up. 
I don't know. I, f- I feel like it's cool to get all these like kind of local guys on the podcast for sure. I want to get someone like Ward Smith, the bolter of the route. Ooh. Yeah, he'd be a good one. Because I don't think Ward ever did it. I'm sure he got the full like SmackDown as well, but I don't think he ever finished. I remember one day Ward was there. I think it was one of the first days I met Ward. And he was there with his wife and he had a little daughter. And I remember being, I was like, oh, this is cool. Like Ward, the guy that bolted the routes there. And he was like, oh, I'll stay and watch if that's cool. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Like, this would be awesome. And I go and fall off at the Iron Cross and just throw this huge wobbler in front of his little daughter. That's great. Um, but yeah, I think it'd be cool if you got some like, I mean, you should get J-Star on the podcast because he wrote that article of the yeah. top, yeah. whatever, like 514s. And he, I think he like interviewed oh, like the top point. 10 like sport climbers or something in the country about what their favorite climbs were and favorite 514s in either America or North America. And I think China Beach came in as number two. I want to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. It was up there, which yeah. Which I think to bolt or not to be beat it out, which is just trash. Yeah, that makes no sense to me. That no sense. Just Wait, to I got a bone to pick with J Star. Stupid little print fest. Yeah, exactly. Well, probably more pe- more people had done it, right? And so more That's people true, could yeah. vote it. Yeah. And the historical aspect. Although China Beach is historical too. I mean, it it was like one of those routes that the uh, speaking of crews and how they build energy. You know, Dave Graham, Luke Parody, Joe Kinder. Like they just yeah. went on a tear. Like, yeah, yeah. That's like some of the OG like kind of hard sport climbers came from Maine. Yeah. yeah. Um, you should yeah, get Luke sure. Parody on the show, actually. He's still, he's climbing rifle a bunch now. He lives out here. And I didn't know this at the oh, time, yeah, but idea. I... That'd be amazing. I, I, oh, yeah, a couple a weeks idea. ago, him and his girlfriend were at the cliff, or wife, and we got to talking about Rumney, and I asked if he would ever go back, and he said, I think I'd go back to try China Beach. And so I didn't realize that he never redpointed it. No way. Rajiv just popped up there, so yeah, you should get Lou. Oh. He's super soft-spoken. You might have to uh, really dig deep to get some words out of him. I was I was climbing next to Michael. him all summer. I should Come have on, asked. Michael. I don't. I was just putting it off. I was putting it off, and then like I left unexpectedly. You blew it, Michael. Or blew it. Dave has the FA, right? Yeah, yeah. Dave yeah, has Dave, the FA. Dave, Dave Oh, that, that'd be a, that'd be a dream. It's been great. I mean, it's been great chatting with you, Maddie. Totally. Yeah. That's good to see you got to come out and uh, finish up China glide or Astro glide. I know. I, yeah, at some point I would love to go. I've like, gone back to New England most years since we moved out here, but it's never really been like for a climbing thing, but I think it would be fun to do like a fall trip to Romney or something again and yeah still have a little bit of yeah unfinished business there um yeah i'm excited to see how your uh trip goes this fall on it too yeah me too we will see